Good morning, everyone, and welcome to our daily reading conference call on A Course in Miracles, Original Edition. We read from the text of A Course in Miracles, Original Edition, which is published by our dear friends at the Course in Miracles Society. You can access an online copy of the original edition by going to jcim.net, where if you mouse over the link at top, for the original edition, you will see the link to read ACIMOE. On that same drop-down menu, there is a link to, dis- to subscribe to an excellent daily email sent to you by the Course in Miracles Society, which contains both the workbook lesson and the text reading for the day. My name is Lemoyne Castle, and this call happens for and with you every weekday, Monday through Friday from 9.15 to about 10.50 a.m. Eastern Time. Today, we are continuing our reading of Chapter 22, Salvation in the Holy Relationship, with Section 3, Your Brother's Sinlessness. And at the top of the hour, we'll pause for remembrance of our daily lesson for the day. Today is Lesson 248, Whatever Suffers Is Not Part of Me, which is done done today by Fran, who generously leads that lesson almost every day. Okay, so today we have the reading list. Uh, We have Lori, Fran, Karen, Judy, and Diana. And we're joined in listening by Ida and Patricia. Um, I realize I may not have gotten any changes there. Is there anyone who would like to join the reading list or... <laughs> or just say hi and let us know if you're with us and listening this morning. All right, well, go ahead and get us started with a reading, Chapter 22, Salvation in the Holy Relationship. Section 3, Your Brother's Sinlessness. Paragraph 16. The opposite of illusion is not disillusionment, but truth. Only to the ego, to which truth is meaningless, do they appear to be the only alternative and different from each other. In truth, they are the same. Both bring the same amount of misery, though each one seems to be the way to lose the misery the other brings. Every illusion carries pain and suffering in the dark folds of the heavy garments with which it hides its nothingness. Yet in these dark and heavy garments are those who seek illusions covered and hidden from the joy of truth. Lori? 
Uh, chapter 22, Salvation in the Holy Relationship, Section 3, Your Brother's Sinlessness. 16. The opposite of illusions is not disillusionment, but truth. Only to the ego, to which truth is meaningless, do they appear to be the only alternatives and different from each other. In truth, they are the same. Both bring the same amount of misery, though each one seems to be the way to lose the misery the other brings. Every illusion carries pain and suffering in the dark folds of the heavy garments with which it hides its nothingness. Yet in these dark and heavy garments are those who seek illusions covered and hidden from the joy of truth. 17. Truth is the opposite of illusions because it offers joy. What else but joy could be the opposite of misery? To leave one kind of misery and seek another is hardly an escape. To change illusions is to make no change. The search for joy in misery is senseless, for how could joy be found in misery? All that is possible in the dark world of misery is to select some aspects out of it, see them as different, and define the difference as joy. Yet to perceive a difference where none exists will surely fail to make a difference. Thank you, Laurie. And friend? 17. Truth is the opposite of illusions because it offers joy. What else but joy could be the opposite of misery? To leave one kind of misery and seek another is hardly an escape. To change illusions is to make no change. The search for joy in misery is senseless. But how could joy be found in misery? All that is possible in the dark world of misery is to select some aspects out of it, see them as different, and define the difference as joy. Yet to perceive a difference where none exists will surely fail to make a difference. 18. Illusions carry only guilt and suffering, sickness and death to their believers. The form in which they are accepted is irrelevant. No form of misery in reason's eyes can be confused with joy. Joy is eternal. You can be sure, indeed, that any seeming happiness that does not last is really fear. Joy does not turn to sorrow, for the eternal cannot change. But sorrow can be turned to joy, for time gives way to the eternal. Only the timeless must remain unchanged, but everything in time can change with time. Yet if the change be real and not imagined, illusions must give way to truth and not to other dreams that are but equally unreal. This is no difference. Thank you, Fran. And Karen. Karen, are you on mute? No, I didn't hear you tell me to start, so oh, I was waiting. Okay. Sorry. Sorry. 18. 18. Thanks. Illusions carry only guilt and suffering, sickness, and death to their believers. The form in which they are accepted is irrelevant. No form of misery 
in reason's eyes can be confused with joy. Joy is eternal. You can be sure indeed that any seeming happiness that does not last is really fear. Joy does not turn to sorrow, for the eternal cannot change. But sorrow can be turned to joy, for time gives way to the eternal. Only the timeless must remain unchanged. But everything in time can change with time. Yet if the change be real and not imagined, illusions must give way to truth and not to other dreams that are but equally unreal. This is no difference. 19. Reason will tell you that the only way to escape from misery is to recognize it and go the other way. Truth is the same and misery the same, but they are different from each other in every way, in every instance, and without exception. To believe that one exception can exist is to confuse what is the same with what is different. One illusion cherished and defended against the truth makes all truth meaningless and all illusions real. Such is the power of belief. It cannot compromise. And faith in innocence is faith in sin if the belief excludes one living thing and holds it out apart from its forgiveness. Thank you, Karen. And I'm going to go off the order that I said. Diana, could you read that? Uh, 19 is Yes. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. Good morning. Number 19. Reason will tell you that the only way to escape from misery is to recognize it and go the other way. Truth is the same and misery the same, but they are different from each other in every way, in every instance and without exception. To believe that one exception can exist is to confuse what is the same with what is different. One illusion cherished and defended against the truth makes all truth meaningless and all illusions real. Such is the power in belief. It cannot compromise. And faith is innocent. Is faith in sin if the belief excludes one living thing and holds it out apart from its forgiveness? 20. Both reason and the ego will tell you this, but what they make of it is not the same. The ego will assure you now that it is impossible for you to see no guilt in anyone. And in this version, vision is the only means by which escape from guilt can be attained. Then the belief in sin must be eternal. Yet reason looks on this another way. For reason sees the source of an idea as what will make it true or false. But this must 
be so if the idea is like its source. Therefore, says reason, if escape from guilt was given to the Holy Spirit as his purpose and by one to whom nothing he wills can be impossible, the means for its attainment are more than possible. They must be there, and you must have them. Thank you. Thank you, Diana. And Judy, would you read? Twenty and twenty-one. What paragraph? Oh, I'm stuck, Lemoy. I got a PS. Okay. Uh, Patricia, would you like to read? Okay. Both twenty, both reasons, and the ego will tell you this. But what they make of it is not the same. The ego will assure you now that it is impossible for you to see no guilt in anyone. And if this vision is the only means by which escape from guilt can be attained, then the belief in sin must be eternal. Yet reason looks on this another way. For reason sees the source, the source of an idea as what will make it true or false. This must be so if the idea is like its source. Therefore, says reason, if escape from guilt was given to the Holy Spirit as his purpose and by one to whom nothing he wills can be impossible, the means for its attainment are more than possible. They must be there and you must have them. 21. This is a crucial period in this course. This is a crucial period in this course for here the separation of you and ego must be made complete. For if you have the means to let the Holy Spirit's purpose be accomplished, they can be used. And through their use will you gain faith in them. And through their use will you gain faith in them. Yet, to the ego, this must be impossible. And no one undertakes to do what holds no hope of ever being done. You, you know what your creator wills is possible. 
but what you made believes it is not so. Now, must you choose, choose between yourself and an illusion of yourself? Not both, but one. There is no point in trying to avoid this one decision. It must, it must be made. Faith and belief can fall to either side, but reason tells you that misery lies only on one side and joy upon the other. Thank you. Thank you, Patricia. And do we have a new reader for 21 and 22? I'm ready. <clears throat> go ahead. Whoever's ready, go ahead. Oh, um... Ida, um, this is a crucial period in this course, for here the separation of you and the ego must be made complete. For if you have the means to let the Holy Spirit's purpose be accomplished, they can be used, and through their use will you gain faith in this. Yet to the ego, this must be impossible. And no one undertakes to do what holds no hope of ever being done. You know what your creator wills is possible, but what you made believes it is not so. Now you must choose between yourself and an illusion of yourself. Not both, but one. There is no point in trying to avoid this one decision. It must be made. Faith and belief can fall to either side, but reason tells you that misery lies only on one side and joy upon the other. 22. Forsake not now each other, for you who are the same will not decide alone nor differently. Either you give each other life or death. Either you are each other's savior or his judge, offering him sanctuary or condemnation. This course will be believed entirely or not at all. For it is wholly true or wholly false and cannot be but partially believed. And you will either escape from misery entirely or not at all. Reason will tell you that there is no middle ground where you can pause on the... (laughs) I'm going to read that again. Reason will tell you that there is no middle ground where you can pause uncertainly waiting to choose between the joy of heaven and the misery of hell. Until you choose heaven, you are in hell and misery. Thank you, Ida. And Judy? Thank you, Lemoyne. Forsake not now each other. For you who are the same 
will not decide alone, nor differently. Either you give each other life or death. Either you are each other's savior or his judge, offering him sanctuary or condemnation. This course will be believed entirely or not at all, for it is wholly true or wholly false and cannot be but partially believed. And you will either escape from misery entirely or not at all. Reason will tell you that there is no middle ground where you can pause uncertainly, waiting to choose between the joy of heaven and the misery of hell. Until you choose heaven, you are in hell in misery. There is no part of heaven you can take and weave into illusions, nor is there one illusion you can enter heaven with. A savior cannot be a judge, nor mere condemnation, and vision cannot damn, but only bless. Whose function is to save will save. How he will do it is beyond your understanding, but when must be your choice. For time you made, and time you can command. You are no more a slave to time than to the world you made. Thank you, Lemoyne. Thank you, Judy. And do we have a, another another new reader for 23 and 24? Another new reader for 23 and 24. All right. Great. Thanks. And back to you, Lori. 23. There is no part of heaven you can take and weave into illusions, nor is there one illusion you can enter heaven with. A savior cannot be a judge nor mercy, condemnation, and vision cannot damn but only bless, whose function to save will save. How he will do it is beyond your understanding, but when must be your choice. For time you made, and time you can command. You are no more a slave to time than to the world you made. 24. Let us look closer at the whole illusion of what you made has power to enslave its maker. This is the same belief that caused the separation. It is the meaningless idea that thoughts can leave the thinker's mind, be different from it, and in opposition to it. If this were true, thoughts would not be the mind's extensions, but its enemies. And here we see again another form of the same fundamental illusion we have seen many times before. Only if it were possible, the Son of God could leave his Father's mind, make himself different, and oppose his will, would it be possible that the self he made and all it made should be his master? Thank you, Lori. Fran? 
24. <clears throat> Let us look closer at the whole illusion that what you made has power to enslave its maker. This is the same belief that caused the separation. It is the meaningless idea that thoughts can leave the thinker's mind, be different from it, and in opposition to it. If this were true, thoughts would not be the mind's extensions, but its enemies. And here we see again another form of the same fundamental illusion we have seen many times before. Only if it were possible the Son of God could leave his Father's mind, make himself different, and oppose his will, would it be possible that the self he made and all it made should be his master? 25. Behold the great projection, but look on it with the decision that it must be healed and not with fear. Nothing you made has any power over you unless you still would be apart from your creator <clears throat> and with a will opposed to his. But only if you would believe his son could be his enemy does it seem possible that what you made is yours. You would condemn his joy to misery and make him different. And all the misery you made has been your own. Are you not glad to learn it is not true? Is it not welcome news to hear not one of the illusions that you made replace the truth? Yes. Unmute there. Okay, and uh, <laughs> thank you, Fran. And Karen, would you read, read 25 and 26? 25. Behold the great projection, but look on it with the decision that it must be healed and not with fear. Nothing you made has any power over you unless you still would be apart from your creator and with a will opposed from his, opposed to his. For only if you would believe his son could be his enemy, does it seem possible that what you made is yours. You would condemn his joy to misery and make him different. And all the misery you made has been your own. Are you not glad to learn it is not true? It is not welcome, excuse me, is it not welcome news to hear not one of the illusions that you made replace the truth? Only your thoughts have been impossible. Salvation cannot be. It is impossible to look upon your Savior as your enemy and recognize him. Yet, it is possible to recognize him for what he is, if God would have it so. Yet, it is possible to recognize him for what, it, for what he is, if God would have it so. What God has given to your holy relationship is there. For what he gave the Holy Spirit to give to you, he gave would you not look upon the Savior that has been given you? And would you not exchange ingratitude the function of an executioner you gave him 
for the one he has in truth? Receive of him what God has given him for you, not what you tried to give yourself. Thank you, Karen. And Diana, would you read 26 and 27? 26. Only your thoughts have been impossible. Salvation cannot be. It is impossible to look upon your Savior as your enemy and recognize him. Yet it is possible to recognize him for what he is if God would have it so. What God has given your holy relationship is there. For what he gave the Holy Spirit to give to you, he gave. Would you not look upon the Savior that has been given you? And would you not exchange in gratitude the function of the executioner you gave him for the one he has in truth? Receive of him what God has given him for you, not what you tried to give yourself. 27. Beyond the bodies that you interpose between you and the shining in the golden light, which reaches if from the bright endless circles that extends forever is your holy relationship, beloved of God himself. How this, how still it rests in time and yet beyond, immortal yet on the earth. How great the power that lies in it. Time waits upon its will and earth will be as it would have it be. There is no separate will, nor the desire that anything be separate. Its will has no exceptions, and what it wills is true. Every illusion brought to its forgiveness is gently overlooked and disappears, or at its create or at its center, Christ has been reborn to light, his home with vision that overlooks the world. Would you have, would you not have this? Okay. Would you not have this holy home be yours as well? No misery is there, but only joy. Thank you. All right. I can work the mute button. <laughs> Thank you, Diana. And uh, Patricia, would you read twenty-seven, twenty-eight? Okay. 27. Beyond the body that you 
interposed between you and shining in the golden light, which reaches it from the bright endless circle that extends forever in your holy relationship, beloved of God himself. How still it rests in time and yet immortal yet on earth. How great the power that lies in it. Time waits upon its will and earth will be as it would have it be. Here is no separate will, nor the desire that anything be separate. Its will has no exceptions, and what it wills is true. Every illusion brought to its forgiveness is gently overlooked and disappears. For as its center, Christ has been reborn to light his home with vision that overlooks that world. Would you not have this holy home be yours as well? No misery is here, but only joy. 28. All you need, all you need do to dwell in quiet here with Christ is share his vision. Quickly and gladly is his vision given to anyone who is but willing to see his brother sinless. And no one can remain beyond this willingness if you, if you would be released entirely from all effects of sin. Would you have partial forgiveness for yourself? Can you reach heaven while a single sin still tempts you to remain in misery? Heaven is the home of perfect purity, and God created it for you. Look on your holy brother, sinless as yourself, and let him lead you there. Thank you. Thank you, Patricia. And do we have a new reader who would like to read uh, 28, the last paragraph? New reader for 28? 
Okay, Ida, would you read 28? Yes. All you need do is all you need do to dwell in quiet here with Christ is share his vision. Quickly and gladly is his vision given to anyone who is but willing to see his brother sinless. And no one can remain beyond this willingness if you would be released entirely from all effects of sin, would you have partial forgiveness for yourself? Can you reach heaven while a single sin still tempts you to remain in misery? Heaven is the home of perfect purity, and God created it for you. Look on your holy brother, sinless as yourself, and let him lead you there. Thank you. Thank you, Ida. So, at the, we're approaching the top of the hour, and, uh, So I'm going to attempt a very short summary of the reading today. <clears throat> and just take from basically from the middle, 20 and 21. From the end of 19... Faith in innocence is faith in sin if the belief excludes one living thing and holds it out apart from its forgiveness. The ego will assure you now that it is impossible for you to see no guilt in anyone. Yet reason looks on this another way, for reason sees the source of an idea as what will make it true or false. This must be so if the idea is like its source. Therefore, says reason, if escape from guilt was given to the Holy Spirit as his purpose and by one to whom nothing he will can be impossible, the means for its attainment are more than possible. They must be there and you must have them. This is a crucial period in this course, for here the separation of you and the ego must be made complete. For if you have the means to let the Holy Spirit's purpose be accomplished, they can be used. And through their use will you gain faith in them. Through their use you will gain faith in them. Now you must choose between yourself and an illusion of yourself, not both, but one. There is no point in trying to avoid this one decision. It must be made. Faith and belief can fall to either side, but reason tells you that misery or misery lies only on one side and joy upon the other. 
forsake now, not now, forsake not now, or forsake now, not each other. For you who are the same will not decide alone nor differently. Either you give each other and yourself, I add, life or death, either you are each each other's savior or his judge offering him sanctuary or con- condemnation. And uh, instead of like reading all of paragraph 27, I'm going to go back to what I missed earlier, <laughs> try and smooth out this lumpy gravy. And Lori, do you have an opening you would like to share this time? <laughs> I do. I do. And it's just perfect for the occasion. A little tiny thought from, Mer- from Rumi. Love is a mirror. In it, you see nothing except your reflection. You see nothing except your real face. And whatever suffers is not part of me. Amen. Thank you, Lori. Beautiful. Thank you. Lori, would you mind reading that one more time, please? Really quite beautiful. Yes. Yes. Uh, it's a very beautiful thought to dive into, um, just like this reading. Love is a mirror. In it, you see nothing except your reflection. You see nothing except your real face. Um, a very short, sweet description of Christ's vision. Amen. And it's been pleasant. Thank you, Lori. <laughs> Thank you, Lori. And can we turn to you now, Fran, for our sure. remembrance of our lesson? Thank you. Yep. Okay. Hi, everybody. We are in the second part of the workbook. And the theme that we're on is, what is the world? And our lesson for today is Lesson 248, Whatever Suffers is Not Part of Me. So I'm going to read from What is the World? The world is false perception. It is born of error and has not left its source. It will remain no longer than the thought which gave it birth is cherished. But the thought of separation has been changed to one of true forgiveness, will the world be seen in quite another light. The world was made as an attack on God. It symbolizes fear. And what is fear except love's absence? Thus the world was meant to be a place where God could enter not and where a son could be apart from him. The mechanisms of illusion have been born instead, and now they go to find what has been given them to seek. Their aim is to fulfill purpose which the world was made to witness and make real. They see in its illusions but a solid base where truth exists upheld apart from lies. Yet everything that they report is but illusion which is kept apart from truth. A sight was made to lead away from truth. It can be redirected 
Silence become the call of God, and all perception can be given a new purpose by the one whom God appointed Savior to the world. Follow his light and see the world as he beholds it. Hear his voice alone in all that speaks to you, and let him give you peace and certainty which you have thrown away, but heaven has preserved for you in him. Let us not rest content until the world has joined our changed perception. Let us not be satisfied until forgiveness has been made complete. And let us not attempt to change our function. We must save the world. For we who made it must behold it through the eyes of Christ with what was made to die be restored to everlasting life. Now we'll go over to the lesson. Lesson 248, whatever suffers is not a part of me. I have disowned the truth. Now let me be as faithful in disowning falsity. Whatever suffers is not part of me. What grieves is not myself. What is in pain is but illusion in my mind. What dies was never living in reality and did but mock the truth about myself. Now I disown self-concepts and deceits and lies about the Holy Son of God. Now am I ready to accept him back as God created him and as he is. Father, my ancient love for you returns and lets me love your Son again as well. Father, I am as you created me. Now is your love remembered and my own. Now do I understand that they are one. We'll take a moment and reflect on this. Lesson 248. Whatever suffers is not part of me. Father, I am as you created me. Now is your love remembered and my own. Now do I understand that they are one. Lesson 248, whatever suffers is not a part of me. Amen. Amen. Thank you, friend. That's beautiful. Oh, thank you, Lori. Thank you, Fran. Thank you, Fran. Good morning. It's Karen. I had a few thoughts. Just um, 
When I did this lesson this morning earlier, the first thought that came to me was my body. When my body suffers, it's not a part of me. And it was a good example because um, a few weeks ago, something hard fell on my head. And the instant that it fell, I just called out to the Holy Spirit as fast as, I mean, it just instantly said, Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit. And it didn't, it didn't leave a bruise or a bump or a problem or it didn't even hurt as soon as I called on the Holy Spirit. So the example of using the body as whatever suffers is not a part of me was very appropriate. Then I thought my psychic pain, my emotional pain, when my mind is feeling um, worried or stressed or um, obsessing or any of that, I need to jump into the Holy Spirit as fast and as reflexively as I did when this thing fell down on my head. It's like that would be applying the lesson to a, to a part of me that I don't yet I haven't yet mastered. And then it and then it occurred to me to also apply it to the world. You know, the world when I look out at the world, I feel so overwhelmed and I feel so much heartache at all the suffering, you know, especially right now with Pakistan and the Ukraine and the fires. And, you know, it instantly throws me into a uh, empathy, false empathy with the world. And so the lesson is what is the world? The world is false perception. And it's an illusion that I made. And this reading says that we are the masters of what we made. These things, these illusions we made do not master us. What we made does not master us because we are extensions of God. We are still as God created us. And our thoughts have not left the source. So we are in the position to correct those thoughts ourselves. And... Anyway, the point was, the point I was driving at is that instantaneous reflection back to the true self, the self that is not a form, my true self, which is formless, which is spirit, which is divine, which is as God created it. I need to, I need to reflexively jump back into that reality the second I feel any flutter emotionally or psychically or even when I perceive something in the physical world, I could say beyond this world is the world I want and know that what I perceive with my physical eyes is the illusion of the world. It's not the world that um, reflects vision or is reflected by vision or love, like Lori was saying. I'm complete. Thank you. Thank you, Karen. Yeah, thank you, Karen. Hmm. That was great. Just that quickly. Thank you. This is Lemoyne. When I um, I just wanted to oh, go ahead, Karen. to add one. Just one little thought I wanted to add. Um, my brother's sinlessness. This is the real application for today. You know, the, my brother's sinlessness. When I see someone 
with my physical eyes or perceive it with my emotional body or my own psychic pain that's not purified, I have to remember instantly. I have to shift instantly to this is the Christ. This is my brother, the Christ. That's my brother's sinlessness. And, um, you know, I really appreciated Lemoyne's um, recap of the reading, and especially because he he emphasized that... Uh, okay, losing my train of thought. That if we see one falsehood, if we see one sin that we accept as true, we've denied the truth. We have to apply it universally. I'm complete. Thank you. Oh, great addition. Thank you. Yeah, thank you, Karen. And you know, the thank only you. thing I would add the only thing I would add to the thing of we must make this choice, it's because we made the error. That's why. It's not like some law of God that we must make some difficult choice. It's that we've already made the error. So we have to and it's you know, change where we place our beliefs so that we may learn a true faith. I think it is a short description of potentially useful short description of the journey with no distance. And then when I wrote down the lesson getting prepared for this, I wrote down whatever suffers is not myself. And I'm not quite sure where I got it except maybe this whatever grieves, what grieves is not myself, but um, yeah, it's not myself, and it's not even part of me. And uh, again, I thank you for the way you do the lesson, Fran. Um, that full emphasis of what is the world reminds me that everything I see fearful out in the world, I put there. And, and uh, it just calls me to make a different choice. That's all. <laughs> and I really like the way you closed it with those last three sentences. Father, I am as you created me. Now is your love remembered and my own. Now do I understand that they are one. I'm complete. Thanks for that. Thank you, Lemoyne. Thank you. Thank you, Lemoyne. Thank you, Lemoyne. Thank you for also emphasizing that if it's there and it's falsehood, that we need it. I'm complete. Thank you, Lemoyne and Karen.
Well, good morning, everyone. This is Lori. Um, I was really glad, Lemoyne, that you highlighted from paragraph 21. Uh, that sentence, that paragraph begins with, this is a crucial period in this course. That gets my attention. This is a crucial period in this course for here, the separation of you and the ego must be made complete. I love that sentence. Um, because in that sentence, unlike many, many, many in this, in this work, in that sentence, he's directing, his, he is making a clear and concise statement that there is a true me and an ego me. And he, his voice, is making that distinction all in the same sentence. So much of um, so much of reading in the Course in Miracles, you know, as you read along, um, you might find yourself, or or I find myself, asking, to which me is he addressing this paragraph? And sometimes it's really not clear: is he talking to my true self, or is he talking to my ego? But in this sentence, all in the same sentence. He's saying, as clearly as he possibly can, there is a you, and there is a false you. And this is the time to make a choice. Um, that really gets my attention, and directs it straight, straight to the atonement, which is, I think, his intent. The atonement is that, remember, way back in the beginning, he says, you have many defenses, you know, denial and dissociation and, and all sorts of things the ego uses as strategies to protect, it, protect itself. But there's one defense that the ego cannot turn to harm, and that's the defense of the atonement. And when you put your false mind in that one defense that is your protection, the truth, you will accept the fact that you are as innocent and perfect as the day the thought of you sprang from the mind of your Creator. That thought, a thought of love in the mind of God. That's all the atonement is. And when I accept atonement for myself, I have accepted the truth of me, not what I thought I made of myself. All of that was in, um, I think, chapter one and two. And chapter two begins with, with uh, three definitions. To project a noun, to project a verb, and the world, a natural grand division. And in that chapter, he says every mind must project. That is how it lives. Um, and I can project onto this natural grand division, the screen, if you will. I can project the truth of me, or I can project a version of the truth, the ego. And when 
I project the ego onto the world, everything I see about the world that's fearful, that suffers, that is condemned, um, is frightful. My own being is frightful. But when I accept the truth of me and project the truth of me, the world becomes everything that he says the real world is. A place where everything leans toward me with its blessing. When I accept atonement for myself, what is there to project onto the world? What is there to project except the truth? And he goes even further in this lesson. God, I love the way this lesson ends. So I would, Father, my ancient love for you returns and lets me love your son. That would be myself and you and you and you and every created living thing. Again as well, Father, I am as you created me. Now is your love remembered and my own. Now do I understand they are one. That's why I so loved that little thought from Ruby this morning, that love is a mirror. In it you see nothing except your reflection. And when I understand myself, not my ego self, but my true self, the way I was created, what else can I project onto this natural grand division but love? That's why he gives us so many lessons like love created me like itself. You know, um, God who is love is also happiness. Uh, now I understand your love and mine, they are the same. His word for all of that is holiness. You know, um, we were created holy. How could holiness create anything unholy? It's impossible. So even the idea that there's um, two ways to look at everything is an error. The atonement is the correction of my error, the acceptance of the truth of me. Um, and all of that to all of that, he gives the words the capital S self. The capital S self that includes the one true relationship that is the source of every relationship, the relationship of the Father to the Son, a relationship of love. This is a crucial, crucial time in this course. For here, the separation of you and the ego must be made complete. And that's why once that separation of you and the ego is complete, why every other dichotomy is resolved. Either you are your brother's savior or his executioner. Either you are, um, and I wrote them all down. Let's see, they're either truth or illusion, you're your brother's savior or judge, either you offer a sanctuary or condemnation, escape or not, life or death, heaven or hell. When the truth is accepted and the separation of ego and truth is finally made, every other dichotomy resolves. 
every dichotomy and that's the healing of my mind when my mind is healed I can no longer project a split you see all of the splits that we see are a consequence of a split in the mind but the healing of the mind with the atonement is the healing of that split that caused every other split you know the same error he says <laughs> that a thought can leave its source change itself in the middle of the stream and rather than be its extension become its enemy it's the same error as separation see so when my mind is healed there's no split to project and without a split to project where is this other will I thought I had nowhere where is the conflict I thought existed nowhere where is hatred nowhere where is hell nowhere where is condemnation nowhere you see it resolves all of it now I know what he means by see your brother sinless all I'm seeing is a mirror of myself everyone you know he says that I think somewhere in maybe six or seven he says your brother your brother is a mirror as long as perception lasts my brother reflects the contents of my mind in the same way the world reflects the contents of my mind the atonement resolving the conflict in my mind results in just exactly how Rumi says love is a mirror in it you see nothing except your reflection you see nothing except your real face in this work we're told Christ sees nothing but himself everywhere he looks he sees himself the Holy Spirit has retained that knowledge for me Holy Spirit is a manifestation of Christ's mind everywhere he looks he sees himself all of that is a result of healing the split in my mind accepting atonement for myself which is to me the the content of paragraph 21 I'm complete mm, thank oh, you thank for you for that Thank you. Thank you, Lori. Well, I think I have an addendum too. <laughs> I, re I remember um, some time ago, a couple of years ago, maybe, I had a friend who um, who was really, really stuck, and he kept saying, "But what what he did is the truth. It really did happen. And how can I forgive what really did happen?" And of course you know to argue with that logic is kind of impossible because uh, in point of fact um, events do happen and um, and, and so um, I tried um, 
tried to find the words because I really did want this person to um, arrive at the truth of what can be seen with forgiveness. And so I took that whole, it really did happen, uh, idea to the Holy Spirit and asked how I could be helpful. And what I arrived at was a really beautiful definition of forgiveness. He says, if, if, um, where's the paragraph that says, um, if you have the means? You know, just a second, I have to find that paragraph. Yeah, there it is. Paragraph, what's paragraph in paragraph 20? The means must be there. If, if, um, you have the ability to see your brother sinless, then the means to use them must be there, and you must have them. That's the same as saying, now's the time to separate the truth of you from the ego. And forgiveness, um, to me, is that beautiful, beautiful, beautiful gift given me by the Holy Spirit that is available to me as a gift. He gives it. He gives it as a gift, as a consequence of my willingness. And I know that to be true because the ego cannot forgive. All ego can do is make a mistake real and then say, well, because I'm more magnanimous than you, I can let it go. That's the ego version of forgiveness. And so when I avail my mind of the gift of forgiveness, I'm really accepting the truth and withdrawing my illusion. I'm the one who put the illusion there by accepting the gift of forgiveness as the Holy Spirit gives it to me. I'm the one who withdraws the meaning that I gave to that event. And as a consequence, I learn by using that means that I am not an ego because the ego cannot forgive. It simply cannot. If I ask myself uh, to forgive the mailman for running over my garden, <laughs> I've said the mailman ran over my garden and I'm more magnanimous than the mailman. I can forgive him for that. Well, he did run over my garden. But how important is that in the real world? I love that mailman, not because of what he does every day, but because he's me. He's the same as me. He's a mirror to myself. The garden has no consequence in reality here. I accept the, for the gift of forgiveness and withdraw my meaning that said the mailman's a bad guy for running over my garden, you see? Um, if I ask my ego to do that, all the ego can do is make the error real. That's why forgiveness is a gift as the Holy Spirit gives it to me. And it, by using that as a means, I learn I'm not an ego. You have the means and you can use them. Why? Because you're not an ego. So forgiveness is that gift of the Holy Spirit that's a consequence of my willingness. He says right in forgiveness. Forgiveness looks and waits and judges not. And then it lets the Holy Spirit tell you the truth of this. All I need to do is be willing to ask 
I don't know. What's the truth of this? I claim nothing for myself. <laughs> there is no <laughs> myself, you know. Anyway, I have the means and I can use them. That must mean I'm not an ego. I'm complete. Thank you, Lorraine. I really like that um, phrase. It's the meaning that we give to the situation that we need to withdraw. The interpretation of the ego that needs to be. And I just was reminded of this little story, this little uh, story Titnat Han used to tell about how he was in a little boat. There was a fisherman in a little teeny tiny boat. And there was a big boat coming at him. And he came, waved his hands, and he kept saying, you know, watch out, watch out. And finally the big boat smashed right into the little fishing boat, and the guy dove into the water and he swam to shore, and the, the big boat was at the dock. And he ran into the big boat, and he wanted to scream and swear and beat up the guy who was driving the big boat. But when he got to the big boat, there was no one driving. It's like that with the ego. I mean... Part of the person, the consciousness of the person is absent so often when people are acting from their egos. It's like nobody's home. How can you be mad at somebody when they're not there? They're not really present. So the meaning of the situation needs to be offered to the Holy Spirit. I don't know. That, that's what it meant to me. Thank you for bringing that up on complete. Oh, thanks for that story. I love that. Thanks, Karen. Yeah, thank you both. Yeah, thank you both. It's Karen again. So... The um, people that are on Reverend Pam's call might know this, but um, there's been a lot of family problems going on around me for the last couple of weeks, three weeks or so. So I've been sporadically uh, on this call. But um, that's the lesson. You know, the lesson that I keep coming back to is how do I see this person and not have condemnation and how can I hold this person as the Christ? And um, Reverend Pam said something yesterday, like, you know, it's not about it's not about healing the illusions. In the illusions, the illusions are. It's about stepping into the truth beyond the illusions. And sometimes it's really hard when things are going on and it's emotional and it's really, you know, all-consuming constantly all-consuming but um, I really feel like this has been a great lesson this past few weeks to to make that decision that that the course is talking about today you know just make that decision to stay in Christ's mind stay in vision and step out of the world of false perception no matter how it shows up thank you I'm complete Thank you, Karen.
Yes, thank you, Karen. And Karen, I'm I'm not sure what if, what the phrase was that you said, but I got this really clear picture, you know, that when someone is really upset and emotional and, you know, flailing, if you will, it's clear they've lost, they've uh, at least lost the perception of God's grace and the embrace. You know, the love they are that surrounds us. And, uh, you know, it's, I can, it came together with the way the Course emphasizes perception. They are lost in their perception of what is happening. They have it happening to them. And in separation, and, you know, so then the, that our task becomes to remember them in order to assist them to to get beyond their error. I mean, it's it's very simple to remember. Then I mean, it's not always simple to remember if what they're projecting is related to my own projections, and it appears to be very entangling and draw me into mine. But it. The answer actually is very simple: is to remember who we really are, and see beyond the perception to create that space, at least enough space to get through the looking glass, if you will. <laughs> I love that metaphor. It's not. It's not just a metaphor. I don't think because I don't. I don't believe that what we project on each other, you know, where it's false, what we project on each other actually can reach anyone. It can only harm them if they get triggered into their own self-harm trip. And so they are protected by that mirroring until we can see through it to what is truly the same. And at that level, we can join and actually pass through that mirror. And it's not through the looking glass into illusion, but through the looking glass into reality. So thanks for your shares. And complete. Thank you. That was great, Lemoyne. Great. My cat knows that my book of A Course in Miracles is the most important thing on my coffee table. That's why he's sitting on it. He's lying on it. Thank you. (laughs) Thanks, Ida. Good to hear from you, Ida. (laughs) I needed a laugh. Thank you, Ida. (laughs) 
You know, I I was thinking about this lesson as a very important lesson to me. And and life unfolds as it will, not to us, but for us. And this incident with my daughter was something I really needed to release my power in with her mental illness. I've been spending spinning plates in the air going, she's okay, and then downing when one drops that she isn't. And yesterday I got to see her for the first time, and um, she's in a, 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 a Rock City, it's a hospital for mental health, and she's in the ward where she can't be given anything for her own self-protection. And I, I do know that we are connected. We are one mind. And whenever I see her or feel, have a feeling or anything that um, comes up of her not being okay, I do know she's going to feel that too. And I realize that we are equal. And what I feel, she will feel. And to stay on the side of how I want to see her, releasing any pain that comes up back into love. Uh, yesterday, um, when, I, when I saw her, my, my husband and my granddaughter, I told them where she would be. She'd be up against, we would be, once I went through security, in the cafeteria and would sit there and hope that she would want to see me. I was there Friday, two visiting days, Friday, Sunday, and she didn't come. And they said, you know, you probably should go home because she is sleeping. We couldn't get her up. She's not cognizant right now, which told, told me that there was hope that they had sedated her. She needed rest. And, but with no peel, I, I don't know what's going on except to trust that God is, has his hand in all of this. But I, I told them that's okay. I'm going to stay this hour anyway in case she does walk in. And yesterday, when I went to visit her, my daughter and my husband were there, and they brought Sophie, her dog. And I told, I told them, just go up to the glass. I don't care what anybody thinks with her dog. And I'm going to be waiting. You know, I'll go into the room, and hopefully she will be there. And I was called back because I wasn't wearing a mask, and I had to go get one. And I, and I had one. Uh, in my hand, but when I was filling out the paperwork, I left it on the counter, so I had to get out of line, run back to the hall, get the mask, run back, and I was the last to enter the room, and all of the families were together with their loved ones, and I saw Michelle. She was there up against the glass, sobbing, sobbing, when she saw her her dog, her child, and she was touching the glass, and, and telling Sophie she loved her. And and then she had all this paperwork in her hands, and she gave it. She was putting it to the glass, and they couldn't. It was like a bulletproof glass, and you couldn't talk through the glass. But she was trying to communicate with the paperwork to my granddaughter. And I said, Shelly, what is that? What are you showing her? She didn't want to talk. She was upset. And, and I... And, and she had gestures like, call me, um, tell Joseph, I want you to give Joseph my dog. So I, all kinds of things were going through my head. What is she, 
What is she planning to do if she's giving her only beloved animal that means the most in her life away? But no, I am not being gripped by fear. I realize it's just her state of mind right now and that God's got this. And when she sat down, I really didn't know how to conversate with her. Is having Holy Spirit help me with my words of saying just calm and being loved for her, you know, and and releasing any fear and staying and 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 saying in my mind when these uprising thoughts um, that her her physical body was presenting itself to me visually, she feet were healing. She, I saw where there were a lot of blue and red marks in her veins because they were injecting her. She wasn't, she's not giving them permission. And then Holy Spirit just said, you've got to tell her this is okay. You've got to tell her that she is here to heal and she will get out to give her hope. And, and so I just began talking with her and I asked if I could hold her hand, and she said no. And then oh, a little while later, she said, Mom, would you mind if I held your hand? And I, I just kept sweeping any errant thought that would come up back to love and back to love and back to wholeness and back to seeing her complete because she is, except what I've adopted in my mind that she's not. And the more I can see her healed and whole as she is, giving her permission to really be who she is without my judgment in error because of, you know, her past and she was 12 years old. She's a 44-year-old woman. Giving her permission to be the love that she is in my sight. Then healing is beginning. And, and I have to stand on the side of that because whenever... I offer anything that rises in me that is not in completion or love. What am I choosing to give her? So that's when I have to stop and say, Spirit, take me. I am ego belief. You do not have hold of me. Holy Spirit is the truth of who I am. Weakens that grip. And, and it weakens that grip. And yesterday when she called back in the evening, she, her right mind was coming back. She did say, I'm sorry if I caused you pain. You know, I do love you and Dad. I do love my family. And and part of my ego might instantly went to, is this about giving the dog away? Is she trying to tell me everything's okay and she loves me? And then I had to say, no, ego mind, you don't have a grip on me anymore. Holy Spirit, thank you that she is in a place of healing that she is healing, and she really needs these words. So the shift back and forth has this, this um, uh, grip, does not have a grip if I don't allow it to have one. So my consciousness, in my conscious mind with God, I have atonement for myself and the way I have thought about her. And I don't have to spin any plates because there are no plates to to spend except the trust that God's got this, that he is with her and me in love for her. And she is coming back and being restored to complete healing and wellness. So I just ask you all to stand with me and that thought of seeing her well, complete, whole, and healed because she is and we all are except for what we think. 
I'm complete. <laughs> oh, that was just great, Diana. Thank you so much for that living example. Thank you, Diana. Thank you. Thank you, Bill. Thank you, Diana. This is Ida. Um, We've had financial reversals in the last several months with the amount that we get from the government for a couple of different programs. And we had the thing with the um, vet emergency with the cat and he had to have surgery and had to borrow money and stuff. And then recently we got a big crack in our car windshield. And my friend said, I should ask you guys for money. And I thought, no, I don't really think so. And you know, and she said, well, what if you what if you make a GoFundMe account and then just tell them that I did that account? And I still wasn't quite sure if I should even do that. I haven't done it. And, um, but I heard Diana sharing just now and she's had an issue and her love for her daughter is sacred, but this issue of not having enough money is, is you know, interfering with my spiritual life now because instead of being on the other call, I, I called the call, but then I was like, I got off the call to look at, you know, jobs and stuff like that just a few minutes after I got on. And so maybe this could be seen as a sacred thing for me too. I don't know. I don't know. But I'm just letting you know that that this is what I thought when I was thinking about it because money is like, it's like the last taboo taboo in our society. Um, When different people have different levels of income and yet they relate to each other or their friends or things like that, right? So... I just wanted to mention that, let you know that that this is what I thought about it and leave it at that. Thanks. I'm complete. Thank you, Ida. Yeah, thank thank you, you, Ida. Ida. I, I think there's nothing where God isn't in and people, places, things, situations, Anything that robs or disturbs our peace isn't an atonement. I'm sorry, forgive me, thank you, I love you, back to yourself for having that kind of thinking. Anything is possible. Everything is possible. It just depends on the shift we have and our willingness to see the the possibility in God's creation. Um, no, I don't think there's anything minor. Money is pretty, um, that's what sustains this physical body and this, our earth ex- experience and having a balance and having trust with God in it is freedom. And anything that comes up as fear, I'm speaking for myself, is uh, an opportunity to choose again and think about this differently and to remember that I have a Holy Spirit 
that I can give this to with with um, meditation and being quiet to see what the answers are because there are earth angels everywhere. It's evident. They're on this call. They're in my my dog that's wanting to be walked or Shelly's dog. They're, um, it's everywhere. So I'm complete. Thank you. Thank you so much, Diana. I know that it's Ho'oponopono and I will do that prayer. Thank you. God bless you. Oh, excellent. Mm, Thank you both. Reason will tell you. Good morning, everybody. I think I'll wait till the after call. It's getting late, isn't it, Lemoyne? Oh, yes. Thank you for the reminder. (laughs) (laughs) I love the word closing. Thank you. Okay, my earpiece is jumping out my ear. Um, so yes, again, thank you, thank you, all for your shares, Diana, and most recently Diana and Ida, and uh, <laughs> Lori. Do you have something you can offer as a close for us today? I do, and. Um Both of these quotes were gifts to me in light of this section. The first one comes from Chapter 7. In the section called The Total Commitment, he says, You do not need God's blessings. That you have forever. But you do need yours. The picture you see of yourselves is deprived, unloving, and very vulnerable. You cannot love this. Yet you can very easily escape from it, or better, leave it behind. You are not there. That is not you. Do not see this picture in anyone, or you have accepted it as you. All illusions about the sonship are dispelled together as they were made together. Teach no one that he is what you would not want to be. Your brother is the mirror in which you see the image of yourself as long as perception lasts. And perception will last until the sonship knows itself as whole. And this answer in salvation from fear, your brother's sinlessness, holiness, is sacrament and benediction unto you. His errors cannot withhold God's blessing from himself, nor you who see him truly. His mistakes can cause delay, which is given you to take from him that both may end a journey that has never been begun and needs no end. What never was is not part of you. Yet you will think it is until you realize that it is not a part of him who stands beside you. He is the mirror of yourself wherein you see the judgment you have laid on both of you. The Christ in you beholds his holiness. The Christ in you beholds his holiness. See him as what he is, that your deliverance may not be long. Amen. Beautiful. Thank you, Lori. Well, thanks for that. That's awesome. great. Thank awesome. you, Lori. Lori. Good morning. Everybody. Oh, thank you, everyone. Thank you all. Have a great day. Perfect. Yeah. Great call. Thank you, everyone. 
Thanks, Dale.